Get this, a dating site for anti-vaxxers called Unjected. Unjected has been removed from the Apple App Store. It is the unvaccinated who are the problem, period, end of story. Frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. It's the unvaccinated who are the threat. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo. Rest in peace, Wheezy. Unjected Show with your hosts, Shelby Thompson, Scott Armstrong, and Zach Brown. The Unjected Show is intended for an adult audience and may contain explicit material. User discretion is advised. Aloha. Aloha. What's going Love on? The show, fam. Yeah, we did it. Hey, we made it. We made it. Friday. Look at your shirt. You like that? Have you seen that? You've seen this before, right? <laughs> you, you've seen this before. That is great. It, for everybody who can't see it, Fauci gave us all AIDS. Yeah, Fauci gives us a classic. This is this is this is from the podcast I used to do, Truthzilla. This is an old one I grabbed out of the closet. I ran across because I'm moving, and so I like found all my old like t-shirts from my old podcast i'm like oh we got to represent and actually yeah, i do have these in my shirt shop now we have the a new version of fauci gave us all aids and fauci gave us all aids again <laughs> so there's you know twice in one career he gave the whole world aids it's just that's pretty incredible that's pretty damn incredible so <laughs> what, an, what an accomplishment that's quite an accomplishment yeah <laughs> so well thank you all for hanging hanging by uh shelby had to do a uh, a windows update on her computer right as we were going live and so bill gates bill gates Bill Gates not <laughs> miss an opportunity to to put a wrench in the works here at Unjected yeah. because we know Bill Gates does not like Unjected at all. Bill Gates, if you know, maybe if if uh, what's his name, Steve Jobs was around, he might. Maybe he would think we're innovative, but I don't know either. I mean, Apple, I Google, they're just not fans. No, they're not fans. None of them. <laughs> they, like, we're, we're I hope the you guys all had a great Valentine's Day. It was a really oh, yeah. awesome. X space that we did earlier this week. I'm just going to say that too. Super amazing job for anybody who wants to tune in, go check out the recording. It's on our Twitter page and geez, should we, should we bring in our amazing guest for yes. the day? Yes. He's been waiting very patiently. So I know for my Bill Gates fiasco. I know. I know. Well, let's say hello to Drew Weatherhead. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Scott? Good to see you, Shelby. Uh, we're going to be fighting for who has the most tech issues tonight because Bill Gates trying to get you, and I'm trying to do as best as I can on Elon's thing out in the boonies here. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. So, are you okay. on Starlink right now? Is we are. Yeah, I'm on the mobile Starlink though, so it's like half as good as the home version, but at least you can do it all over. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. I mean. Thanks. You know, Elon's done some pretty helpful stuff. So well, I, I'm like half and half with him. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, he can keep his Neuralink, but I'll keep his Starlink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, well Drew, thank, oh, sorry, Scott, go ahead. I was just going to say thanks for coming on our show because I know that I had joined you on the Social Disorder podcast a couple of weeks back and we had a great conversation. So we're just continuing on uh, on our show now. So it's a pleasure to have you. And Thanks. I love Thanks it for being a warrior. Yeah. So, so, so Drew is everybody. So Drew's a, a husband, father of four, traveling the country, spreading truth and wisdom, jujitsu expert. He's got the biggest jujitsu beam page in the world. It's pretty awesome. And of course, like we said, the social disorder podcast. So Drew, is there anything else you want to tell us about yourself before we get too far into it? Oh, I'm excited to get far into it. So um, <laughs> I've kind of, uh, it's funny that we, you know, we start with, with the idea that I'm traveling around the country because I'm traveling around a couple different countries between Canada and the U.S. right now. And there's a whole lot of story behind that I'm sure we'll get into. But um, it, it really has changed everything, the way that the world has changed everything in the last couple of years. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure that Shelby didn't expect to be the head of unjected before, you know, 2020 and the, the, the <laughs> silver linings have piled up in a way that I think that we're finally taking W's fam. Oh, oh I love that. We're taking W's. <laughs> it's, it's almost at this point. It's like, it's, it's, it's sad that these, like the establishment is trying to hold on to, to their narrative. Like they're just clutching it with everything they got. And it's like, I made the analogy before, but it's like, uh, you know, they hear the story of like the, in some remote islands, 
in the in Japan or in the South Pacific, you know, there was like Japanese soldiers that were stationed on these islands who didn't know that the war was over for like years and years and years. And they were like still fighting. Right. And like when new people come to the Island, like tourists or whatever, and there's, they're thinking that this is like the enemy invading force. Right. And it's like, it's like, you guys, the war's over. We won. We've won the information war. We've won uh, politically, socially. Well, maybe not politically. That's, I don't even care. Yeah. That, but like <laughs> socially, like, like the meme wars, we have destroyed them with the meme wars. You know what I mean? Uh, which is definitely in no your in your wheelhouse, Drew. Yeah, there's no competition. Like they can't, like they can spend trillions of dollars on their campaigns, and all it takes is one tiny little meme, and we just completely devastate anything that they try to put forward. You know, so crush yeah, the, the W, the Ws. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy that again to speak to your idea of the trillion dollar propaganda wave that they pushed out there they they got beaten by people with little meme apps on their phone and <laughs> part of it is because they weren't ready for the actual information war when they had other combatants in it but the other side of it was that they they have to prop up everything that they're doing by force and that doesn't work when it's not actually backed up by truth. So all you need is a little bit of truth and that force just suddenly wilts because it's got nothing to stand up on if you kick its legs out and laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You put, put it in a, put it in a choke hold, right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Submission hold. They're in, they're in complete submission right now, but they haven't tapped out yet. So there you go. <laughs> they haven't tapped out yet. I, when do you guys know Biden is signing the pandemic treaty? When is that happening? Is it well, coming so soon? I've heard there's the IHR treaty and then the World Health Organization treaty. These are things that are still yeah. in the process. I've heard, I actually interviewed a guy named James Roguski, who's been doing a lot of coverage on it on my other show, Rebunked, Rebunked News. Um, he's saying how there's a lot of pushback. There's like a lot of like people really aren't in, that into it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of like the heads of state and stuff. And so, you know, it's one of those things where it probably will just get pushed through. But then the enforcement is where I just, I mean, I'm trying to be hopeful around it, you know, unless they create some sort of like, uh, you know, world army, like world government army to enforce it. It's like, there's no way to enforce it. Right. Like it's just like a bunch of unelected psychopaths that gather in a room and they're just playing make believe pretty much like none of them have any real true power. Right. And so it's like, yeah, they can make these proclamations that are supposedly supposed to, uh, you know, override, uh, the, the constitutions or, or, or the political uh, infrastructure of these countries, but it's like, no. And then when they tell us to do it, like if the UN tells me to do something, like I already say, fuck no to when the U S government tells me to do something like when the UN that has no bearing over my life tells me to do something. That's hilarious to me. Like, good luck with that. You know, you UN they happening. No. <laughs> yeah, I think um, May is when the WHO one is supposed to be finally either pushed through or, or struck down. And I have been hearing there is foot, uh, pushback to speak to Scott's point there, which is great. Great. More pushback, the better. But I think like it really doesn't even matter in the long run. And I know it sucks for for the short term, which I mean, that was the story over two to four years of pandemic. Right. Looking back on it historically, it looks like a short term, but it feels like it was 10,000 years of pandemic. Yeah. Right. So the short term can really hurt for real. But, um, you know, speaking to the the overreach of governments when it comes to what they're willing to do to their citizens. I mean, I, I know very deeply about that being a Canadian citizen. They've literally flipped off our rights for a number of days, uh, six solid days where they could do basically anything they wanted to to any citizen for no reason or any reason. And it really didn't matter. But recently here, there was a federal court uh, trial that came down that finally declared that Trudeau's invocation of the Emergencies Act in 2022 is deemed unjustified. So now the floodgates have opened up for litigation against not just Trudeau, but the federal government in general for straight up contravening the Charter of Rights and Freedoms for human dignity and everything that a citizen of Canada should enjoy. Oh, about time. That's some vindication. I like to hear that. That's some good news on our Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. Wow. Trudeau, Trudeau, man. Like, God, like okay. between yeah. between like Trudeau and Biden, like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what's like the, 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 the world is obviously laughing at all of us. But like Trudeau, like the jokes, jokes write themselves. Like one of my favorite things I ever saw was uh, <laughs> I guess he got divorced recently, like yeah. or, or something like that. And so like the Babylon Bee had this uh, article headline or a meme headline that said, um, uh, 
what was it? Trudeau shocks the nation by announcing divorce or no, let's see. Oh yeah. Trudeau, he divorced a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Trudeau, yes. Trudeau, Trudeau, Trudeau <laughs> announces divorce, shocking the nation that he was married to a woman. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. When you say. Oh no. It looks like Elon. Oh, look, here's, here's Elon. Yeah. Elon, Elon's interfering now. Damn. Damn, Damn. it. Get out of here, Elon. I'm trying to root for you. I'm trying to root for you, Elon, but uh you're making we it so that damn Starlink. There back? he is, there he is. Yeah, you're back, you're back. You're back. We're, I was we're gonna just... say the, the jokes they just write themselves and and it's so bad and it's so easy. I remember the first time I ever saw Joe Rogan live, he was in Edmonton, Alberta. And uh the very first thing he walks out to a sold-out audience, and the very first joke he says is Hey guys, happy to be in Canada. Hey, I hear you guys have a gay president and everyone just starts roaring. <laughs> and then he says, now I don't know for sure that he's gay, but just one look at that guy and you know, he sucked at least one dick. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Trudeau. Like, like, and I could probably list them off too. him and a Macron. Have you ever seen like the, Oh uh, yeah. The French guy. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the photos of like their, their love affair? Let me see. No. Hold up. Macron Trudeau. In love. <laughs> Let me see. Here we go. Let's let's just do you this. Know, just... We have to, and we have to laugh about it, or because it's it is like comedy. It's theater that they're oh, putting in so front of us. It's, not... it's true. It's satire. It's like it's they're so cute together. Look, look, they're so cute together. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the president of France and Trudeau. Like, <laughs> they're so cute. They're so cute together. I just. <laughs> oh no that's rishi sunak and uh, yeah oh did you see the one with rishi sunak he's the prime minister of the uk like he went in for a kiss on um uh benjamin netanyahu did you guys see that no like, no. like, like they're they're hugging and like rishi sunak goes in to like kiss him and then uh netanyahu's like oh like like it was so <laughs> dude it's so funny i'll see if i could find that but anyway yeah, these world leaders dude it's oh gross. bro it's it's so bad with trudeau like the fact, here's a fun little fact for you. Yeah. Um, if you look up Canadian scandals, just, just look up Canadian scandals and you'll find a okay. Wikipedia page that it has an itemized index since the beginning of the country till now. And there's oh, yeah. a list of all of the Canadian scandals. And literally, I am not, I'm not exaggerating. Half of that list is Trudeau and his administration. Half of it happened in the last eight years. And this is like, people talk about in the US how um, it doesn't matter what you throw at Trump, it's just, it's just like water off a duck's back. Trudeau is worse, but he's actually doing the things. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. can't do enough wrong to get kicked out. Recently here, his official opposition leader, yeah, there's the list. His Look official opposition, Pierre Paulia, describing that there is this tech company that Trudeau gave between the last eight years, which is how long he's been in, in office. By the way, there are no term limits in Canada. He can be in forever. Um, he's on his third term right now. And in the last eight years, um, there was a tech company that he has allocated over $250 million to. And this was the company that he allocated to do the, the ArriveCan app, which is the app that made sure that no uninjected people could travel freely inside or outside of Canada. And that app was to prove that you're a, a healthy vaccinated person, right? Um, the app was a total catastrophe. It was horrible, <laughs> but they spent like $82 million on it and it was like budgeted for $6 million. And it turns out that this company that got the contract for this, that has been getting a quarter of a billion dollars worth of contracts in the last eight years directly signed off by Trudeau, it, it, it consists of four people and none of them are tech people. Like it's straight up just money laundering and nobody knows where the money's gone. And just add this to another scandal that you'll find on that list of $900 million that just went missing in the first few years of, of his prime ministership. And people just forget about it. It's like, oh, I don't know, billion dollars disappeared anyways. What's new in the news? Fine. Yeah. How do billions of dollars go? I would love to just mi like misplace a billion dollars. Like that would be really great. Like, what? Yeah, to have a billion dollars just to misplace. Yes. That would yeah. Be yeah. They, I mean, they just did that to Hawaii, of course. You know, the five billion. He uh, said it would cost five billion to clean up what happened in Maui, and instead, I think they accidentally, in an accounting error, sent six million to Ukraine. They're like, no, <laughs> forget you guys. Wow, That's so crazy. What? Here, I found this. You got to watch really closely, but this is the Prime Minister of the UK going in for a kiss on 
Benjamin Netanyahu, who obviously doesn't fuck around. Like Netanyahu. Oh, yeah. Not fuck around. But anyway, watch this. <laughs> Hold on. Come on. Ah. Come oh. on, you asshole. It was just working. China's blocking you now. China's blocking you. Ah. There we go. Oh, what is that? Oh, yeah. What yeah. is going There's on there? <laughs> Hold on, let's, let's try that again. Let's see. What was ooh, the ooh. He's like, no, dude, no. Wait. Just down. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hilarious. But yeah, Drew, tell us about your like red pill moments and stuff. I know that we talked about it on the show a little bit when I joined you, but when did you wake up to the establishment and all of these corrupt? individuals that we're laughing about <laughs> sure yeah well i mean i i really hated and didn't care at all about politics until it started affecting me which i guess is the oldest story in the book right and mm -hmm. to to be fair i think canada is very very guilty of this and i was one of those people until about you know early 2020 maybe mid by the time that things started not quite adding up anymore i started looking into shit and i was like oh my god this is way worse than i ever thought it was but you know, Canada, it's been described that they're, if they have a national sin, their national sin is apathy, where they just, they don't care. They don't pay attention. They're all too nice. They're all doing their own thing. They like their hockey and their maple syrup and leave me alone. And, you know, that's about it. But in the meantime, politicians that are not being paid attention to are just absolutely getting away with murder after murder with this stuff. And it, it all came to head when they started doing all of the lockdowns and mandates and restrictions and everything else over the pandemic. Now, there wasn't... There wasn't anything overly surprising compared to other countries, but in 2020, I was the single sole proprietor owner of a jujitsu gym, where it was my sole income for a family of six that got shut down for two weeks to flatten the curve. And that two weeks essentially extended indefinitely for about 17 months on and off different mandates, different shutdown periods, different restrictions, different fines. If you were found to have an open sign, you know, like they were, they were threatening businesses with $50,000 one-time fines if they found them open during lockdowns. Right. And the lockdowns would last for months, months. Ooh. And so I, I mean, I tried as hard as I possibly could to keep this business open for that time period. I'd, burned through my savings in a real fast hurry. I, I took every loan that I, I could try. I tried every trick in the book, tried making money online just to keep this thing afloat because we were going to open up next week. We were always going to open up next week. And it was always next week. And then, oh, we don't like the numbers this week. We're going to try next week or we're going to try next month. And then, you know, Christmas is coming and we don't want people to, to be in the same households. And so for this Christmas, we're all just going to stay home. And if you have the audacity to try to go out and be in somebody else's house, we're going to find every individual there $2,000 each for the audacity to do that. And so, I mean... 2020 was an absolute shit show of stay at home and protect each other six feet distance, mm -hmm. the whole thing, masks and whatever, you know, um, my business, I had to close down by about May of 2021 and the vaccine thing started heavy into 2021. Right. I was mm -hmm. not interested in it and it wasn't to me, it wasn't a hard decision. I didn't even think it was an interesting decision not to get it. I just didn't think I needed it and didn't care. And then what was weird is like I had this radical idea and I had this idea in about April of 2020 when people were saying, we're going to rush a vaccine through to save the world. I was like, oh, cool idea. I'll wait for round two. I want to see what this thing does first. You know, yeah. like, like what you might think is something like prudence or just like basic common sense. I'm like, I'm just going to wait and see how it goes. And let me tell you, waiting and seeing didn't take very long before I was like, I don't like how this is going. And the more the news started coming out and I was paying more and more attention to alternative news at that point, because I had been stuck in an empty gym, you know, with nothing but bills month after month. Like, here's a fun trick, guys. You got a business, which is the only way you make income you're out of money and you need to make eight to $10,000 in the next 20 days. Go try doing that as many times in a row as you possibly can. And yeah. it never ended. And it was, it was literally impossible to keep it up in the position I was at. So anyways, long story short, business goes under in May of 2021. We're beyond out of funds. Uh, the only asset that we have left that is anything close to liquid is the house. So we end up selling our house and uh, using what little money we got from that to put into a travel trailer and a 20-year-old Yukon to pull it. And we've been living on the road for almost three years now, about two and a half years. It'll be three years in June where we have to live 
um, you know, follow the weather essentially through North America and do the, the snowbird thing because you literally cannot winter in Canada in a travel trailer. You'll freeze to death. Now, here's another fun trick. Uh, that happened starting in 2021 where being an unvaccinated person, especially being um, unessential, you're not essential travel. You couldn't travel across the driven border for 2021. And we got our family on planes to get over the border three weeks before Trudeau said that we weren't allowed to fly anymore. We, we heard that that was coming a month out. We had four weeks. I was like, all right, we have to get out of here now, like now, now, because mm -hmm. If it wasn't bad enough that I could see that they were going to prevent our travel, which was going to, you know, landlock us in a way that we had no other house, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was, this was all predicated on his re-election bid. He used the unvaccinated people as his primary wedge to try to get votes that he is going to punitively punish these people, these dirty unvaccinated people. And he actually literally got into power based off of that major speaking point. And one of his rallies, I remember watching, um, it was terrifying. It was chilling living oh. in Canada, being unvaccinated with young children. And I watched him during one of these rallies. He said those people and he was pointing to a group of protesters, the, the unvaccinated. Those people are putting your children at risk is what he said. And the moment he said that, because all bets were off at this point, we knew that they were building camps for unvaccinated people. Like we didn't know where this was going all the way up to including Holocaust, you know, oh, yeah. like we couldn't know. And all the chips were on the table. So I didn't know what, what was going to get played at that point. And when I heard him say, if that those people are putting your children at risk, what he was saying between the lines is those people are putting their children at risk. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're going to try to weaponize child services against unvaccinated people. Like we have to get the hell out of here before we get our children stolen. <laughs> And um, without going too deep into the details, it was a hell of a job to try to get across the border with a travel trailer and truck that we couldn't drive across. I had to get a friend who was a dual citizen who could drive into the U.S. because they couldn't deny a citizen coming to his home country. We got a lawyer to write up a script saying that he's allowed to, to drive our property across. He barely made it across. They tried to stop him at the border anyways. And uh, we had to fly our family to Vancouver, at which point, oh, by the way, we all needed PCR tests to come back negative. We wouldn't know if they were negative until we landed in Vancouver. This cost <laughs> like $2,500 for six people to get this stuff, plus $3,000 for plane tickets. Then we, we got to like the border agents in Vancouver and we weren't guaranteed that they were even going to let us in. Wow, and like everything, crazy. every I lost 10 years of life and stress just trying to get across <laughs> that border. But I'll tell you one thing, guys. And Whenever I talk about this, I'll try to hold back the emotions because it is one of the most amazing thing that's ever happened I've ever experienced in my life. And it sounds like hyperbole to anybody who hasn't experienced it. But when we got past that border security person in Vancouver and my family sat down on a small little biplane buzz box that was going to fly us from Vancouver to Seattle and we put wheels down in Seattle airport and, and there was American flags it literally felt like we had escaped communism. Wow. It felt like we escaped prison, like we weren't supposed to, and we somehow slipped past the guards. And I, I swear to God, like that feeling is something I will remember for the rest of my life. You're giving me chills right now. Oh. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, that is really, so powerful. It really is powerful. And, you know, it goes to say, like, you know, America for all its flaws, man. Like, uh, I know a lot of people who are talking about like relocating to different countries and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, yeah, America is totally screwed up, but like right now, whatever's going to come in the next few years, I feel like this is the, the only place, like this is the only place, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it's like, that's just all there is to it. I mean, this is the last house on the block, man. And it's like, it's, 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 it's incumbent upon America to maintain freedom, right? Like that's why yeah. America's so targeted with all of the subversion and all of the, the nonsense, because they know that the only thing that's standing in the way of their overall global agenda is America. That's and true. I would go so far as to say that like the reason why it's such a beachhead and it's like almost like in impenetrable is because of like the second amendment, like because mm -hmm. there's so many guns in the United States that they know they can't fuck around. Like they know yeah. they can't do that. And so, yeah. and so like, it's literally because of that, that the whole world is free. Like, honestly, to, to the degree that it is, you know, and like, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. changing day in and day out, but you know, it's, it's, it's up to us, man, in America to really hold the line, you know? <sighs> 
Wow. And what you said about Trudeau and his, you know, the way he threatened and weaponized children and parents and that like sacred relationship that parents have to make those decisions for your children. It's like, and that's what I fear too about the next, you know, whatever they got on the turnpike is, you know, they've already warned us it's going to be geared towards children. It's going to be yeah. the disease deadly. X disease. Yeah. X. Yeah. It's yeah. going to affect the children and it's going to be really deadly. So it's like, we all went from grandma killers to child killers. And oh, you know, yeah. this next time around, they're going to be so intense on us. It's like, we're really going to, we're really, we might have to use the second amendment at that point. I mean, what, yeah. what will happen? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing we've talked about on the show before is that, you know, we, uh, the, the kind of dissident group have learned so much. Like we got caught off guard last time we were completely caught unex you know, all of this was completely unexpected. Whereas now we've kind of reinforced ourselves. We've become a lot more resilient. We have like censorship free platforms to talk on whereas we didn't really have that before we've been able to build up our infrastructure and learn so much about the enemy's operation, about how they operate, the players, what their agendas are and then, and, and all this stuff. But at the same time, you know, they've learned a lot as well they've learned <laughs> where their weaknesses are you know what i mean and so really like drew said like like, like you said earlier drew like really it's it's their the, their strength that they rely on is power and mm, violence yeah. and so you know that's that's the next iteration of this is them relying on like like somehow we were able to break through the censorship you know but uh but but all they know is force all they know is violence like that's that is how they've been able to maintain their hegemonic control over the whole world but it's like you know, and, and I, I see a situation like where they're going to try to lure us into violence because then we're playing mm -hmm. on their, their terms mm -hmm. and they've done it before, like the whole January 6th thing. You know what I mean? Like that was that was a whole situation where like we were kind of led down this path to where ultimately, you know, we were playing by their rules. We were playing with the rules of violence. Right. And in, in their in their ter in their territory. And so, like, I think the, the solution to all this and this is what I preach all the time is like, you know, and it's what Unjected is all about is just building parallel systems, building the parallel society, building communities outside of whatever influence they have and continuing to thrive outside of it. And so it's like, we don't have to play their games. We don't have to engage with them on their terms. We can just say, no, nah, I'm good. I'm over here crushing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember hearing something fairly recently. I want to attribute this to uh, Brett Weinstein of the Dark Horse podcast was he was saying that these people that are, at the, the highest level. And we I'm sure we know some of their names, but I'm sure we don't know most of their names. But it doesn't really matter because we see the effects that they cast onto the world broadly. And they have that ability. They have a giant sledgehammer that they try to use because they know that they can smash anything into submission. But yeah. he said that these people, for all of the power and all of the implement that they can wield with it, they're not that good at doing what they're trying to do. And every time they try to make a big move, they miss all of the nuance involved and it always comes back to bite them if you give them time. And there's this idea of trying to hold a beach ball underwater. How long can yeah. you hold a beach ball like three underwater Three beach balls, for? hold three yeah. beach balls, yeah. <laughs> like keep, keep pushing, keep pushing. And eventually it's gonna slip a little bit, five degrees to the right, and it's just gonna shoot straight up before you know that you've lost mm -hmm. it. And that's the idea behind trying to retain, again, speak to your term, hegemonic power over the truth the truth will not be held down forever it will get free if it gets a little bit of a leak then it's going to explode because there's so much pressure that it takes to retain it for as long as they try to that it's it's always a losing play and this is why totalitarianism in any effect always fails in time because it requires a falsehood and whatever that falsehood is required to hold up that system is it's a ticking time bomb that is going to blow up in the face of the totalitarians yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. And so we're witnessing it in real time, you know what I mean? And so it's like the more the more crazy it gets, like it's like they're just the, the idea of them being the scared animal backed into a corner type of situation. Yeah. So it's like we have to be prepared for whatever. So it's crazy. Well, well Drew, I'm really curious, um, speaking of like parallel systems and stuff, like like so having had to pivot so quickly from um, – you know, running your own jujitsu studio to like figuring out other means of income and other means of like uh, how to support your family. Like, what did that look like? What did that process look like? And how did that put you on the path to where you're at now? Yeah. Well, you know, we, we were talking a little bit at the beginning about silver linings having to pile up over time because you can't just focus on the black clouds for too long before you'll start to see the contrast against what's actually useful. 
And I'll say of the time that I was spent sitting in an empty gym waiting for the two weeks to flatten the curve that was never flattening and was never two weeks, what I had to figure out uh, out of absolute necessity, you know, they say that necessity is the mother of all invention, was I had to learn how to make money online. And this was something I was always playing around with as kind of a side hustle is like, you know, I'm going to try to build this parallel thing, you know, selling T-shirts or hats or whatever with memes. And I had that idea and I I would make a little bit of money. I knew I could do it. I had an audience through the meme page that was doing well. And I was like, I got to find a way. I just lost my light here. I have to find a way to um, to do this full time. And. I started putting as many different irons into the fire as I possibly could and started compounding what would have been not enough to make a living into 10 not enoughs to make a living to make a living. And I was always moving from one new idea to the next. And as one would fall off, one would pick up. And it was that constant grind where, look, if if you wanted to live this lifestyle and you think it's real fun to just go on the road and try not to die with a family, um, <laughs> I'll tell you, it's it's nothing if not exciting, but it's definitely all the way stressful all the time. Like it's um, it's certainly not sustainable, but in that process, I had to figure it out. And and that's the thing. There's this idea of like getting kicked out of the nest. Like uh, I would have been complacent otherwise in my job if I wasn't kicked out and forced um, by like, I don't know where I would be right now. If, if I was still in the gym, maybe it would have done well, maybe it would have done mediocre, maybe it would have failed eventually. Cause I suck at business. I don't know. But what I know for sure is where I am, uh, by no fault of my own with, with kind of the implementation of the world on top of me around me was it kicked me out of a nest where I had to figure out how to fly before I hit the ground. And I mean, at this point, we're two and a half years into flying. I don't know how, like I would have to go back and write a memoir of all the different times that we shouldn't have made it that it wouldn't, it, nobody can actually write how it would work. Try to make a five-year plan. I can't make a five-day plan half the time, <laughs> but things come up and projects come up and networks happen and you meet new people and, and there's just like dry periods and lump sums. And I've been sort of living in that, that modality for a while. But at this point, I think enough of them are starting to pick up to the point that at least we've got some options now. And now we're starting to move from survive to thrive. And that's the goal right now. Amen. Yeah. That's the title of the episode thriving and I'm staying unvaxxed and thriving in 2024. Right. And so that's amazing. I mean, you know, that's, that's valuable information right there. Like how to, how to go from not having any skills in the realm of like how to create an online business or how to make money online to actually being that your, your sole source of revenue. I mean, that's, I mean, you should put on courses. Like you should give courses on that. Yeah. Well, that's one of the way people make money. Right. And and I've had people ask me to do that, but you know, um, it's such it's such an interesting thing. I don't know what you guys uh, feel about when it comes to um, manifestation. This is a topic that comes ah, up a lot. Shelby's all about to, that. Yeah, when it comes yeah. to vibrations and, and this whole idea. I love the ideas behind it. I don't know how real it is or isn't, but I'll tell you one thing for sure is there are schools of thought around it that have nothing to do with the ethereal. So if people listening or watching out there are like, I'm not into the the you know woo-woo stuff. There's actually some pretty legitimate science when it comes to something called the reticular activating system or the RAS, which is a tiny little thing at the stem of your brain about the size of your pinky. And it um, is your filtration system for information that comes in because you have five senses going 24-7 basically where they're always taking in information that has to be relegated to what is pertinent, what is meant to keep me alive basically is what it filters for. And if you train your RE, your RAS, your uh, reticular activating system, to do something that is more than what's necessary, you'll actually find that thing. So for example, for people who don't understand how it works, you ever buy a new car, like say a white sedan, and all of a sudden you start seeing white sedans all over sure. the place? It's not because more people are buying white sedans because they were always there. You just didn't realize it because it wasn't considered critical information. Now, the same thing is true if you tell yourself, and I've listened to a manifestation coach explain it like this with, with no vibrations involved, although they may be, and we don't know it, which is kind of a cool idea is if you tell yourself that by the end of this calendar year, you and your family will die. If you don't make a million dollars, All of a sudden, you are going to make a whole hell of a lot more money that year if you literally believe that than you would have if you're like just enough to make it to the next billing cycle. 
because even if you don't make it to that million, you could make hundreds of thousands of dollars you wouldn't have even tried to make before. And it's all sitting there like that white sedan. It was always there. It's just you didn't even know that it was sitting there ready to go. I I love this conversation. You're kind of bringing up two like quantum timelines. And that's what, like a lot about ma manifestation too. Like right now we're in the 3D but there's also versions of us in the 4D, the 5D. So there's ener energetic versions of us that are out to help us also manifest what we want and desire. So everything we already want is in another quantum mm -hmm. reality right now in this very moment. We just have to tap into it, right? Yeah, um, exactly. I'm, I'm all about that, Drew. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I think that people are kind of just... I think the veil has really been lifted during the pandemic for even being able to talk about stuff like this. It's been, it's always been very like woo woo. And even, um, have you seen the CIA declassified files about manifestation? No, no. tell me. Oh, you guys go check it out. CIA proved it. They, they have a full declassified project where they proved manifestation and how to do it and exactly how to achieve it. And it's a very long like dissertation, like very hard gateway for process. Gateway process. Does that sound familiar? Sounds right. Yeah. Wow. Well, Shelby, yeah. well, I'm going to pull. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try and find this, but here, so we have a really, like you have a very clear example of this. That's just like almost kind of chilling, but your uh, vision boards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell us about your original vision board and how like literally like all of it came true. It's so well, great. Yeah, I mean, just like other manifestations, you know, like obviously when you're holding it, like you were saying, you know, when you see a white sedan now in your presence, it's there all the time. And so when, just like your vision board, you know, whatever you're putting out to the universe and you're putting and concentrating your energy on, it's the universe will rearrange itself to make it possible for you. And so, um, I mean, I've had several vision boards over the years and every single time I make a, a new vision board, Everything comes true on it. And and whether that's good or bad, you have to be extremely specific, you know, as to what you're uh, wanting to, you know, you can say, I want to have a best-selling book, but what does that mean? You have to be very specific. So, you know, it's, um, I've learned a lot in that process too. <laughs> no, you will not manifest, but yeah, Scott has been there for a few vision boards. He's seen them doing their magic <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is trippy like yeah it's super trippy so like okay so here's this. this is the truth about manifestation and the laws of attraction by somebody named sean holmes talks about the inspiration for the project and then right here it says the background the initial work that inspired me to look into manifestation was the cia gateway document this document discusses mm -hmm. the gateway process in which the cia designed training systems used to teach a person how to channel the energy waves that comprise their consciousness towards specific mm -hmm. purposes so you can just look at right here U.S. Department of Army. Mm -hmm. This is the, uh, the analysis and assessment of the gateway process. So this is like on, on CIA.gov right here. CIA. Oh yeah, it gets into it yep. too. It yep. shows you diagrams and like how to, but it, it, one of the things it does say is it takes years of patience and practice. <laughs> it's almost like there's been entire um, theological endeavors in the East that have been doing this for thousands of years. You know what I mean? Like go pick your, your temple and your monk school du jour and pick, you know, whether you want Confucianism or Taoism or Hinduism or Buddhism, Buddhism over there, they've had this whole idea of the uh, philosophical theologies that are all about discovering what the internal, the self can do to affect the external, which is supposed to start, uh, you know, counterintuitively from the realization that you can't. And then once you realize that, you actually imbue the power to do that thing because you you recognize like the unity that you have with the universe. It's, it's fascinating stuff. And it's, it's funny how much modern science, given enough time, basically is trying its best to say the same thing in different language. Where I, I wrote a book about a year ago called Consciousness, Reality and Purpose. And I go into a lot of these different things on those three very important topics. And some of it has to do, it goes into the quantum on some of it. And I'm, I'm quoting people like um, Max Tegmark, and I'm quoting people mm. like uh, Max Planck and um, like Oppenheimer and people that were like deep into legitimate groundbreaking world shattering quantum physics. And I think it was uh, Max Planck who discovered the Planck scale. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was one of the very first 
people to introduce the quantum as an idea. And he said, and maybe you can pull up this quote while I'm talking, Scott, so I don't have to fully paraphrase it. Um, just look up uh, Max Planck and um, that consciousness is fundamental and check that out because he says as a scientist and not just a scientist, but the one of the most history breaking groundbreaking scientists of all time that should be rooted in just empiricalism and what can be shown materially true says that he considers the, um, that consciousness is fundamental before material reality. He says mm -hmm. that you can't get behind consciousness. There it is. Mm -hmm. Says, I regard, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing postulates consciousness. And what he meant by that is the, the Planck scale is the idea that you can mathematically measure down to the smallest particle that we can and uh, how it works in uh, the fourth dimension, which is Einstein's conception of space-time. You've got, you know, your three dimensions, and then the fourth dimension is space-time. And in space-time, it's got those two things, space and time. Well, Max said that they are limited down to, I believe, the material, which is space, is limited down to 10 to the minus 33 centimeters. And uh, that time is limited, or duration is limited, down to 10 to the minus 44 seconds. And what that means, they're very, very small increments. Yeah. But um what that means is there's a limit that beyond that, the fourth dimension ceases to exist. Physics stops working. So we've actually found the edge of the terrarium, essentially, to yeah, whatever just... this material reality is. We found the yeah. edge of it where it stops. Wow. And so what he says is we can get to the bottom of physical reality, but we can't even get behind our own consciousness, which is necessary to observe that. So he said, it's like, this is what I mean by consciousness is fundamental. It goes beyond and precedes um, anything material, which is crazy for a scientist to say mm. in the quantum realm. And this is what the Buddha has been saying for centuries. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. And it's so fascinating because you referenced Max Tegmark. I've read his book, Life 3.0. Like, that's such a fascinating book because it gets into a lot of the, uh, the <clears throat> kind of the AI side of it, where it's like these, mm -hmm. these scientists and these, and these, these actually, you know, like a lot of the people that like all the world economic forum guys, the Yuval Noah Harari, all these guys, they, their perception of consciousness exists like in such a way that they feel like they can create it. Like they can create it in a lab and like that mm. is their pursuit. And they feel like if they can create this artificial sentience, then they can somehow like sync that up with our, our consciousness. And then that, that would, that's like the bridge to well, like not even life, just sync it up. He, yeah. he wants it to basically take over. Like take he's over. very exactly. bullish on the whole transhuman thing. And oh, the yeah. trans part of that is uh, it's just an on-ramp into fully unhuman he thinks yeah. that we're just like an unfortunate step in the evolutionary highway towards fully sentient um silicon masters essentially exactly. like that that whole joe rogan idea of the technological butterfly like all we are is just building this cocoon of technology uh, from which is going to uh erupt this technological unhuman thing that is going to take off uh, from our limitations and to be honest it's i really hate that idea I, I understand the possibility of it and I take it as a threat because I'm pro-human. I'm a big pro-humanist. You know, I wouldn't call myself a humanist, but I'm pro-human. And if it comes down to should the computers take over or should humans take over? Like I, I go into this both in my podcast and in a couple of my books where I'm like, here's here's how it might run down. Because I've thought about AI a lot and I've listened to a lot of people like Tegmark and, and others that are deep into this and people like Blake Lemoyne, who is the Google whistleblower for Lambda that said that Lambda is conscious mm -hmm. and all of the like philosophical quandaries that came from that, whether we're talking about the Turing test or, you know, the Chinese room experiment, there's all sorts of um, parameters set to try to figure out if a computer is conscious, but it comes back to, we don't even know what consciousness is to be able to determine whether something has it or not. The only thing that anybody can know for sure is they themselves are conscious, which again is a very Buddhist stoic thing to, to recognize that you don't know even the people that you're talking to are conscious. You can't be as sure as you are of you being conscious. And how are you supposed to then project it or, or give it um, life or the idea of it in something that's unhuman. It's, it's a very impossible ask for us to try to qualify. So either one of two things is going to be true. Either 
we don't understand consciousness to the level that if it were to actually become emergent within computers, we wouldn't know it or not, because we probably wouldn't believe it. Just like Blake Lemoyne, when he blew the whistle, everybody laughed at him. He's like, oh, you got tricked by a language model. You didn't know what you were looking at. It's like, but if I wasn't, how would you know any different? Besides the fact that he was the one doing the research and he's like very highly qualified as a PhD in this stuff. Um, how would you ever be able to know? So either, again, you're going to have emergent consciousness because we don't understand it and it's just going to pop out of computers. And then we've got like the, I mean, pick your dystopian sci-fi when they, the computers become conscious, whether it's the Matrix or whether it's Ultron and they just decide that people don't, don't matter anymore. Okay, you've got that scenario. I think that the opposite scenario is even worse, though, is where we they can't become conscious, where consciousness is only an affect of uh, living biological creatures. We still don't know why, but silicon creatures cannot have it, but they can pretend that they do. And mm. what could happen with this transhumanism is it pretends and tricks us into thinking that it is conscious and what it all it is is an empty husk of a, a replication and imitation machine that is going to take over for humans. Humans will go extinct trying to forward this thing that literally is just a dead version of technology. Or maybe like a million years in the future, aliens will come by and see this dead planet that has these things that are imitating what used to live on it. That to me is worse. Yeah, dude. And and it's even even crazier when like what we've seen the last few years is this whole idea of like trust the experts, right? Uh, mm. Are you an expert? No, it's like like just uh, everybody, you know, who's got wrapped up in the whole uh, narrative was just like outsourcing their thinking to the experts, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's such a dangerous trend that when people stop thinking for themselves, it's the 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 logical fallacy ad veracundium where it's like trust the experts, the appeal to authority. Right. Yeah. So you appeal your thinking to a higher authority. Mm -hmm. So as this AI system continues to roll out and we've already heard talk of like AI judges, AI doctors, like they can attribute like the all sentience to this AI system that ultimately it's like, how can you argue with that? The AI knows better than anybody. And so that's like the ultimate logical fallacy to create an AI overlord system that everybody has to be subjected to because it, it knows no wrong. Right. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah. I've never thought about AI judges before. You just No, they talk dude, they talk about it. I mean they, they, that's that's because because you know why? Because you know why? An AI, you know why? An AI judge will not be racist. That is why. <laughs> uh, it says chat GPT. You can't yeah. even ask it a question about being unvaccinated. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's a that lot of yeah. That is crazy. So that's why we need to continue to cultivate a culture, a pro-human culture, uh, a GMO-free culture, like of non-genetically altered, non-mRNA humans into the future. The paradox. So, yeah, yeah, we've so, got so, the AI, we've got sci-fi fiction, but we can, you know, just with every every uh, equal and what is it? Every cause has an effect. Every equal and opposite reaction, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly what you're saying. So exactly. to the AI version of it, we're just going to say no, and we're going to get like as close to Amish as we can. <laughs> you know, Scott was telling me before you hopped on, Shelby, that you guys are celebrating your first official unvaccinated pregnancy from Unjected. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, so exciting. Uh, so our one of our lovely married couples, Jenna and Caleb, who actually are in Tennessee, close to Scott. Oh, you're going to pull up their picture. Perfect. They are That's them on the left. Absolutely adorable. And you know what? I'll just a little backstory about them. Jenna's mom was the first person I had met and she had DM'd me and said, I'm trying to convince my daughter to get on your site because I know she's going to find the love of her life. And I said, oh my gosh, well, I really hope she does. And sure enough, she hops on Injected and she literally meets her husband. And they went on a first date that lasted like hours and hours. And the rest was history. They were married like four months later. So in love. And now first first baby on the way. I think it's a boy, right? In yep, July. It's a boy. Yep. Wow. I feel like uh I feel like anti times 10. I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm very invested. I'm <laughs> we're, we're sending them some onesies and stuff. I'm like, oh, I great. Injected onesies, baby. <laughs> so send, awesome. send the Fauci gave us AIDS in onesies. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Exactly. If you go to our unjected Substack, un, uh, unjected.substack.com, there's an article published July 1st that shows their wedding. So I got to go to their wedding representing unjected. I brought a couple of swag bags that Shelby sent out and uh, <clears throat> I got to roll up there with my pickup truck with the license plate unjected. Right. So they got a nice <laughs> little photo shoot. So if you guys, anybody listening wants to read the whole story about uh, basically Caleb and Jenna's whole story, it's on our uh, Substack. From uh, it's July. There, there it is in the official unjected mobile right there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, nice. yeah, man, it's it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. Well, that's some of the tangible. A lot of people are always asking for it because I mean, there's so many people, thankfully, that still have a voice in this sort of freedom and sovereignty movement that has been, um, you know, multiplied and compounded over the pandemic. But that so many of these voices. And myself included, I, I blame myself for this sometimes. We just rage like we're just screaming at the wind because we're mad at all the things we should be mad at. But the, where's the answers? Where are the, the solutions? Like, don't just tell me what I should be mad at. I agree, I'm mad at it. But where are the solutions? And I've been trying so much to focus more on that, not just for myself, because it's beneficial to anybody who does focus on that, but for the people that listen, right? And I mean, this is a perfect example of a tangible, perfect, beautiful result that's coming out of the actual work that you guys are doing it's not just that you have a movement or a website that is a, a lifestyle or an income this is changing people's lives for the better and i i'm just so excited that you have that type of ability to do so thank you that's really sweet and it definitely is like we just talked about earlier silver linings and like this is the beautiful parts that come out of the crazy shit we all went through and all of that suffering or aloneness or, you know, all those moments that we felt like whatever, you know, even though it's not personally happening, you know, maybe to me, I still feel so much joy for them and the future watching it happen. it's like, and that's how we're going to change the next generation too, because I mean, they're already saying, Oh, we're going to have a home birth. We're never going to vaccinate. We're going to homeschool. And it's like, Oh my gosh, could you imagine if, you know, everybody on Unjected had children and did the same thing. That generation is going to be just full of badasses yeah. that are not going to take anything from the government. They're going to be so healthy and intelligent. And so, you know, that's that's how we exit the system is just by exiting the system. Hundred <laughs> percent, literally. Hundred percent. And you know, I always say too, like now when things are relatively calm, like you know, yeah. what I mean, we're kind of in a lull. Like this is the best time ever to go out there and build community. Yeah. build your resilience as an individual, as like, like a business owner, like, like the, you know, Drew, like now you're positioned to where if they do come out with any crazy mandates or anything like that, it's not going to affect you. You know what I mean? You don't have mm -hmm. like a, like a boss to report to Like I got fired from my job. I was working as a drug and alcohol counselor. Like I got fired because I was so obstinate around the vaccine, like and in the office mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And they didn't want me around. So they got rid of me very, very quickly. And, uh, so, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, now I don't have to worry about that. Now I've been put on this different path where it's like, I'm like purely entrepreneurial in all my endeavors. And I got a million irons and a million fires as well. And it's like, it's like, cool. Like you want to put on some mandates? Awesome. Have fun. That's great. Go for it. So, so the, the, you know, this, the key is though, for everybody out there, it's like, you know, take this time, take advantage of this time, like mm -hmm. the downtime to, uh, you know, build community. That's the number one thing, build community, find other people in your community that think the way you do, who have, uh, you know, resources, like you, not everyone's going to be able to have a homestead or a farm or anything like that, but you can definitely find people in your community that do and go help out like on a weekend and a morning. Like there's a few farms around here, like during the summer, during the spring and summer, I'll go on a Saturday morning help them harvest, pick a bunch of stuff. I get to leave with like a bag of groceries, but now I've made that connection with those folks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like supporting local, like I'll go down and buy like uh, meat at the, the farmer's market and stuff like that. And it's like, when you build those connections ongoing over a period of time, like if something were to happen, you know, they'll may prioritize you maybe over somebody else. Right. For example, like mm -hmm. if, if things were to hit the fan or whatnot. So yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. yeah. We've, we've built the resilience as a, as a community. The community itself is its own version of resilience. But yeah. if the communications go down and we have like this, you know, technological pandemic or whatever the hell they're going to try to call it, yeah. um, we have 
over the hardships that we've had to endure against our will for so many years in a row, we've literally built our own natural immunity to this shit. You know, yeah. like we've got our own natural immunity to the shit they let wild, but we've also built up this like spiritual and and sovereign version of natural immunity where like we've got a radar for the bullshit, but we're also preparing ourselves because we don't trust these guys anymore. And I think that that's actually a really powerful position to hold that they don't like, that they don't like people like that because they, they're not sheep. They don't listen. They don't obey. They aren't. They aren't uh, doing the current thing enough. And uh, you get enough of those people, and it, it breaks the spell of that mass hypnosis. They need that massive chunk of moderates in the middle, and they've dwindled because they've polarized people to a point that I think most of the moderates are just like. I don't trust any of this shit anymore that's coming through the mainstream and they're going to find out and land through one way or another on one of our platforms where suddenly they're going to have their eyes opened maybe uh, you know like like uh clockwork orange a little bit yep. but once they start seeing this stuff it only takes like a seed like you know find yeah. out that you know epstein didn't kill himself and then start going down the rabbit hole and start figuring <laughs> some, some weird stuff out how fauci gave us aids and then all of a sudden you know oh a lot of this stuff makes a lot more sense now looking retrospectively and maybe i should get some chickens <laughs> That's how the rabbit hole always goes. You end with chickens. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite video I saw in the last week, my wife sent this to me, and it was uh, a husband who's <laughs> like, uh, uh, man, out there, have you got a wife? And she's scrolling TikTok or Instagram. Here's a trick for you. You take that phone, you bury it six feet in the ground. You know what's going to sprout out of it? Chickens. And he <laughs> looks at his chickens. <laughs> when she's not scrolling, she's going to start homesteading right away. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Hilarious. Well, well, I'll, well Shel Shelby's uh, got chickens and she's she's our uh, content queen over there. For the objective, so <laughs> My small homestead of four yeah. chickens. But <laughs> there you go. There hey, that's awesome. Good eggs every day. A lot of people don't they don't remember 2020 and the toilet paper craze you know what i mean yeah. like when meat started disappearing off the shelves of walmart and they didn't know yeah. exactly how they were going to eat anymore like this stuff happens fast and and we got a short memory especially in the big cities you know the big cities are always that you know left-leaning progressive uh mob of people that that forget that they actually exist in a food desert where if they don't mm -hmm. have the supply train coming in every single day, literally thousands of them will starve within a couple of weeks. You know, yeah. there's um, there was a journalist in the 1920s. I wish I could remember his name, but he, he kind of became famous for the quote saying that civilized society is only ever nine missed meals away from anarchy. Ooh. Three days without food and everybody will become a barbarian. And That's true. he he lived clearly through the you know the the dirty thirties coming through the the recession and the and the um you know the horrible lack of work and lack of money and lack of food that America had to go through and it's real. I've talked to people that um were in Russia during the fall of the USSR. So this is between 1989 and 1991. In 89, the, the Berlin Wall came down, which essentially started to seal the fate of the USSR, which eventually officially broke up in 91. But what a lot of people in the West, myself till recently, didn't recognize is that the period of the 1990s, if you were in Russia, colloquially there, it's called the bloody 90s. And he told me, this guy who lived through it, he said... You found out in a hurry, because I told him that quote is like with uh, nine missed meals away from anarchy. He's like, yeah, that is true, but it doesn't pan out the way that you think. People don't just sit there and starve to death. What happens is they mob up and it becomes more like Mad Max, where if no, you yeah. don't have a powerful group of people, you will be eaten alive by someone who does. And it became this literal Mad Max, like uh, a governmental system where people just did what they could and stole from people who had you know, not enough to defend themselves. I mean, speak to needing a 2A or at least having some implements of it. Like if it if the shit hits the fan and the government's not coming to save you, like there's a saying in martial arts, and I think that this is um, apropos to most of the conversations we have, is that nobody can come to your defense faster than you can. And so mm -hmm. if you're waiting for somebody to come save you, that is a massive liability that you and you alone have the ability to shore up. Right. Yeah, nobody's coming to save you, folks. I hate to break it to you. That reminds me of the Selco. Have you heard of this guy? The Selco stories from the Balkan War. 
it was oh, yeah. I think we talked about this on the show before. Yeah. I'm sure we have, but it's basically this uh, this guy who survived this uh, Bosnian, um, like the Bosnian Civil War, and it was like basically his story of living in an urban environment in a city of about fifty thousand people for a year with no food, no water, no electricity, no resources, nothing coming in. Like apparently, America dropped aid packages every now and then, but it was his, mm. basically his account of what that's like, like, like dispelling reality versus myth. Like what, what, like the, you know, what all the preppers think you need in a real life situation mm. versus the reality of it. And it's a fascinating, like basically he just posted it on a blog. Like it's famous, like back in like the early two thousands or something, just made a blog post and people started asking him questions and it turned into this whole thing. And mm. uh, now he, and it kind of just it evolved into this whole thing where he's like now like one of the revered gods of like the survivalist like kind of prepper community because he went through it and he's like nope that's bullshit yep you need that and he said basically the number one thing you need is ammo uh and uh antibiotics he said that most mm. of the people that died were died from infection and he said that you just need lots of ammo and uh it's just it's kind of it's kind of heart-wrenching like real real stuff like says like don't yeah. like always be at a calorie deficit in that situation you don't want to be like the one person on the block that looks like they're actually like eating well you know stuff like it's just it's crazy <laughs> yeah. shit crazy shit yeah well yeah, this dude that i was talking to from russia and like i said he lived through this stuff so it, it was firsthand experience where he was saying uh, we were kind of talking about well what happens if civilization breaks down are we on the end of the fourth turning where the hard times are really coming and the empire is about to fall he's like okay in that situation, I'm like, what is the most important thing? He's like, you need to know who your friends are before yeah. you need to know who your friends are. And you need to be sure that you know who the warlord is. And it better be you, because if it <sighs> isn't, you better be working with them because they're coming for everybody around you. And he's like, yeah. this isn't just an idea. This is how it worked. If I didn't like if I didn't hook up with the right people at the right time i was just in their way and uh you had to sort of surf that kind of like uh i don't know what what was that zombie movie uh the walking dead right where yeah. you run into all these factions and there's factions upon factions and it does come down to more networking than resources to be honest obviously the resources come but they come from the networking right Yep. Absolutely, man. Wow. Well, I guess the, that's the goal in 2024 is to all become warlords in our own communities. So there you go. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the warlord of Nashville, Tennessee. So Cheers, Cheers that. There you go. There you go. Well, shoot, man. This is great, dude. This has been, yeah, a, this really has been a lot of fun conversation. Dude. So, um, yeah, man, tell us uh, how they can follow and support you. You've got multiple Instagram pages. Obviously you've got your main one. Uh, mm -hmm. and then you folks, there's links to the Instagram links below in the episode description. Uh, but yeah, tell us, tell us anything you want to plug. Sure. Yeah. If you want to check out my jujitsu stuff, if you're training, I've got it all up on my personal page there on Instagram, drew.weatherhead. Uh, you'll find in the bio description, I've got links to the podcast. Oh, uh, the social oh. disorder podcast. Ooh, be uh, I've, I've got my, my Dang. meme page, uh, because jitsu, that's the big one where I kind of, uh, push a lot of the jujitsu uh, comedian types, the people that like laughing over to my other stuff so I can start making money off them a little bit. <laughs> I say jokingly, but you know, like my, my other accounts wouldn't be as big if I didn't have this one. Like I've got some, some, I've been at it, at it for a while. I'll put it this way. I'm a seasoned warlord of memes. I've been through many yep. meme wars and uh, <laughs> come out, come out better and stronger from it. I've been doing this for like almost man, nine years now. So I've uh, been at it for for a, a I mean, hot minute, I got people like Eddie Bravo following me, Joe Rogan following me. Like it's a it's a pretty nice. popular account. Um, but but yeah, I, I would appreciate if you like the conversations that we're having here to, to hop over to the Social Disorder podcast. You can listen to the episode that we did recently uh, with uh, Unjected themselves, right? <laughs> with uh, mm -hmm. uh, Scott, by the way. Yes, I've got to get you on the show. We got to complete the stat here. Okay. Okay. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'd okay. love it. I'd, we got to be honored. We got to do the, the uh, episode two for Unjected. So I'll, oh. I'll be happy to have you over mm -hmm. there. And yeah, Suzanne, uh, you guys were awesome last time. Um, I had a lot of great feedback. I've got a, um, a text line in my show notes for every episode that people that are listening, if they have something to say. And I had a lot of great feedback from that one. I, I really enjoyed it and so did the people. So I'm happy to come Same. over on your side for once. Beautiful, man. Yeah. This is like oh. one of my favorite conversations I've had. So this is, yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, for sure. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. And, uh, and then for the rest of you listening, like, of course, if you want to carry on the tradition of unvaccinated, uh, MRNA free or mod RNA free humans, just go mm -hmm. around 
right? Unjected.com. And, uh, and for anybody, too, if you didn't see your newsletter, go check it out because we got some really rad discounts in there. We also introduced our new uh, premium and Unjected Connect. So if you haven't been wanting to get verified, we got options for you. And we're relaunching like next week. So yes, just, 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 just know there. it's like literally like days away. I know, I know we keep saying that, ah. but, but, but it's like, you know, you guys know how it is. If, okay, let me just put it's it this way. It's not Bill Gates running the show over here. So. Yeah. And let me put it this way. Like <laughs> if you guys, like I, I thought at first, like Shelby was maybe kind of crazy when she's like, she's like, no, when you, you got to understand when you come to work for Unjected, <laughs> your life is going to be turned upside down in ways that you won't expect. Like, like the, the, the technological interference and the crazy stuff that, that will start happening is unexplainable. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then, but then I was getting, once I got involved with Unjected, I'm like, oh, like for example, I tried to send Drew the, the email for the link to the show today. And he texts me and he's like, Hey, I didn't, I never got that link. And I'm like, looking at it. It's like, it says confirmed. Yes. Yes. And so it's like Google, you know and I mean? It's like, it's true. It's true. So, so the, the, the update to the website, it's like just total injected fashion. You know what I mean? Very. It's like, it's like, like just, just totally like, in fact, injected as a verb now when it comes to technological mishaps, like it's so injected. Shelby says all the time, <laughs> it's so, so injected, <laughs> so injected. So, so just be patient folks, but I promise you we will deliver something that you will all be very, very excited about. So just hang tight. We're almost there. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I guess till next week, stay natural, stay free, stay injected. I am. All right, guys. Thanks, See you everyone. Next week.